There goes that man's jock strap. <laughs> oh my god, did you see that? <laughs> America's team? Yeah, right. Oh, baby, it's a big day in sports. There's nothing like battling it out with your teammates all season long to go win a championship. Green Bay's got it this year. Huge move for him. I think it's going to be a game changer. We have a lot to talk about this busy week in the sports world. Welcome to the In a League of Their Own podcast. The In a League of Their Own podcast is brought to you by the Cactus Golf Club. Are you sick of paying full price for golf clubs, apparel, and gadgets? Of course you are. The Cactus Golf Club offers a subscription service that gives you exclusive deals to over a dozen golf companies that offer you the gear you need to rip it up on the course. For our listeners, you get a special deal by heading over to cactusgolfclub.com league to get your first month free and your second month for just $5. That's two months of exclusive deals for just $5. Again, that's cactusgolfclub.com league to get started. I have just one question for you, partner. How about them Cowboys? Hello and happy Monday. Uh, great weekend of football. Uh, how's it going? Oh, it's going wonderful. Um, obvious for reasons we'll jump into. But yeah, it's great weekend. Last game tonight, kind of seeing who's going to be going to Tampa. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, a lot of a lot of great. Again, a lot of great games. We'll be going into them in a little more detail, but um, of course, I had to throw some shade at the Cowboys to start. That's always fun. Um, kind of, I guess, starting off with kind of the Cowboys, which is kind of where my first question tailors to. Um, kind of with all the controversial calls that happened over this weekend with refing, do you think it's time that we see some new faces refing in the NFL? due to, again, kind of the oh, the whole overall year and just a handful of calls this weekend that might have made a game, a game go one way or the other? Like, obviously, you can't clean house, but at the same time, we've seen a lot of the same guys for a long time that have made a lot of the same mistakes. Yeah, I was just trying to think, like, Hockley, he was one of the old guys who got replaced by his kid. I feel like there's a, there is a lot of young p- got people in the league, but I still feel like the problem, it doesn't matter, I guess, at this point, who who it is refing. I just feel like the standards that the NFL has towards their officials is would they need to raise their game. Um most of these people are lawyers working full-time jobs and they just show up on the weekend and ref a football game. And it's just like, you should have people fully invested and getting scores every game, moving, changing around with different crews, seeing what crew's the best, not just having one set crew at the beginning of the year and let it ride. Um, And obviously in these playoff games, we've seen multiple bad calls. Obviously the Raiders Bengals game, that crew got dismissed. Then yesterday, Eagles-Bucks game, a lot of controversial calls there. 49ers-Cowboys games, that last play, obviously kind of sums that whole thing up there. Um, I don't know. I just feel like the NFL just needs to do a better job in general, making sure that all these people that are out on the field know what they're doing 
to the best of their ability and aren't just there to collect a paycheck. Cause like one thing that I didn't even think about on that last play of the Cowboys game, it's like, if you watch the play back, the ref who's supposed to be coming for the ball to touch the ball was walking for like three seconds instead of full sprinting, running to the ball, making sure that, Hey, this, this could come down to the last play and it's my job to make sure who obviously what if who would have could have could have should have would have to those questions but like i said i just feel like no matter who the faces are the nfl needs to set their standard higher as far as who they're allowing to officiate these games yeah i agree and kind of another thing with that last play yeah there's gonna be a lot of controversy behind it um who who's who to point the finger at is the refs is the play calling is the execution of the play I, I feel like some of it comes down to as well of like obviously the refs have to be have their heads on a swivel and be ready for anything that happens on a football field I don't think there's a single person in that stadium or watching that game that was expecting a quarterback run with 14 seconds to go and no timeouts running down the middle of the field where it kind of catches everybody off guard. Everybody's scrambling. Everybody's like, what the hell is going on? Why is he running? The refs even are like, oh shit. Like the guy, the guy who set the ball now has to run 20, 30 yards down the field, whatever that play ended up being to catch up. Like, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of things with that. Obviously the ref like should have been maybe a second or two faster, but also don't call over a run play on four with 14 seconds left. And also don't hand the ball to your center. The center doesn't place the ball. The ref does. You play in the league for how many years you should know that the ref has to set the ball before every play. And, and I know we were talking yesterday about it where I wonder if it was a pass play and if Dak like decided to run from the press conferences, Dak and McCarthy both said it was a designed run play and they both stuck by the, the decision to do it. Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. If they were able to get that ball that spiked with a second on the clock, like you said, coulda, shoulda, woulda. But nonetheless, you roll the dice and it doesn't work out in your favor. Yeah, I also believe that um, in that press conference, they said they have ran that play in practice all week and 12 seconds was their magic number. Because the commentators themselves, normally it's like it takes about 11 seconds but they did it to where it's 12 on a designed run like that play at the end of the game to get on the ball. And there's 14 seconds. Like that's just, you know, but then when you, when they say that, it's just like, okay, when you're practicing that, were you practicing it with an actual ref running to touch the ball, reset it? Yeah. Like, were you counting that in that as well? So who knows? They lost no excuses. Big Mike, Mike McCarthy shit the bed and shows that, He's just not a great game manager. Obviously, he's not the offensive coordinator in making the offensive play calls, but at the same time, he has the power to override a decision if he feels need be. Yeah. So I'm going to put this blame on him, not getting them up to place, coming out the gates slow. Um, kind of like what Skip Bayless said this morning. If I were the Cowboys, instead of defending and being like winning the toss and defending – take the ball and go pound it down their throat for seven and take the advantage, take the momentum right away instead of playing from behind. Yeah. Like that's an interesting question, interesting scenario that we've kind of seen this playoffs Bengals take the ball. They go down score. 
Bills take the ball. They go down score. Eagles, all right, we're going to try to take the momentum. They get stopped. Boom, down in a huge hole. This game, same thing. Cowboys down in a hole to start. Couldn't make their way back. Even though, undeniably, they're probably one of the greatest fourth quarter teams I think that plays. But because they shit the bed for the first three quarters, more times than not, when they do play against a good team, you ain't going to win. Yeah, especially in the playoffs, most teams can't – most teams don't get away with shitting the bed for one quarter, getting skunked in one quarter, only having three points in one quarter, let alone, like you said, two, three quarters of football that they didn't really show up and they still had a chance to the very end. Like as much as it's like, all oh, Cowboys versus refs, they threw this game. They like 14 penalties, seven or eight of them pre-snap. Refs don't make you jump off sides or have a delay a game or have a false start, or have an illegal shift. Those are all miscues on your team. Those aren't the refs' fault. You take all those out of the out of the game, you avoid those third and longs, those giving up easy third downs at the end of the game with illegal hands to the face, or I think it was on a third down, that defensive holding, where literally that defensive, I think it was Gregory or somebody else, yeah, literally backside of the play, just got frustrated, pissed off, you're losing, tackles an offensive lineman 10 yards away from the play just dumb, dumb mistakes like that. Those aren't, those aren't the refs having it all for you. That's you're asking for those kind of penalties to happen. Um, and just like I've stated with their quarterback, Dak Prescott, he's an average quarterback. He's not an excellent quarterback where you can rely on him to win a game for you. QBR yesterday, 22. Mm-hmm. You ain't going to win a game if your quarterback is a 22 QBR in the playoffs. Yeah. Just like I understand Dallas Cowboys fans being like, oh, we have a chance because Norm in the playoffs up until yesterday was his first really shit game in the playoffs. He's had a 75 QBR, which is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but 75 down to a 22, look at that drop off and you're not getting the running yards that you were getting. There's no way that you were going to win that game. Plus you add the penalties on top of that starting off seven zero in the hole. Like, you did this to yourself. Yeah. Cowboys were definitely the more talented team. They should have won that game, but they continued to shoot themselves in the foot time and time again. And that's what you get in the playoffs. Yeah. I guess sticking with that Prescott, this was my second question. Figure I'll just throw it out there while we're talking about it. If you are the Dallas Cowboys, at what point do you move on from Dak Prescott? As you said, the 22 QBR one and three in the postseason, a 53% completion rate yes, in yesterday's game. And they just signed him to a $95 million. Yeah, they just gave this guy a shit ton of money. And obviously, Jerry Jones seems like a guy where if you get on the right side of him, like a Jason Garrett, ran that team into the ground for years and years until they finally cut ties with him. Is that going to be the same thing with Dak Prescott, where they're complacent with mediocre ending seasons because – Oh, your buddy, buddy with Jerry Jones. So you get the benefit of the doubt. And, and like I've said, and you've said all the time and all, like the flack I always give to the Cowboys, I stand by my word that Dak Prescott will not win the Cowboys a Super Bowl. I stand by that word. And he proved that yesterday. Again, can't come up in clutch moments. And he's only successful when they have a successful run game. I think we were looking at last night, he was either 12 or 13 touches for um Zeke Elliott yesterday for 32 yards you can't win a game with that either 
And they're um, undefeated when he gets over 100. Yeah. So, and he, I think that was the 13th straight game when he was held under 100 yards. I think 12 or 13, one of the two. Again, just a waste of talent, both burning the guy out early in his career. And even now when you need him most, not getting him. I mean, 12 touches is enough. He really should be closer to the 15 to 25 touches a game for that kind of talent. But again, bad play calling. You're not putting him to the right right personnel. If he's a guy like that's only getting 32 yards in a game on their 12 touches, that's two and a half, three yards a, a touch. That can't What's happen. It? Yeah, one thing also with that that I've noticed over the past few years, when he was doing his best early, their offensive line had, what, like five pro bowlers and all pros? Like their line, offensive yeah. line was the best. Of, look at where they stuck all of their money. Wide receivers, linebackers, quarterback, they're forgetting about their running game, which mm-hmm. is their bread and butter of how they win. Like they've totally gotten away from what they do really well as a franchise since the beginning of time that they've never turned away from. And that's pounding the ball down your throat. And I don't know. I think a lot of that has to do with them literally bringing in Mike McCarthy. I think McCarthy is just the wrong fit for this team. He's an aired out type of guy wants to try to have a Rogers recreation year with somebody else or do the same thing in a different building I don't think he's going to get that with that Cowboy. He's not a fit for that Cowboys team. And I don't know. I just. He, he just seems more he's there just to be there instead of. Like just to get his face back into the NFL type yeah. of thing so that he can stay around for forever than be a full time head coach. And then, yeah, Deck Prescott. I think they could. I think they could win a Super Bowl if obviously McCarthy's got to go. Who knows if you're going to have Kellen Moore or any of the other assistant coaches because they've taken interview jobs at multiple different places. But depending where they're at after the season, obviously their defense is very good. You can't deny that. Their defense is very good. They do have the, the names on paper that are unbelievable. But it's as far as bringing in somebody with a scheme, with an offense, with a whatever to maximize. And I think McCarthy minimized everything that they do as a team where I don't know, dude, I deck when he like, like we stated fourth quarter guys, unbelievable. Like literally the guy is unbelievable. And that's because he's out there playing. Like he's got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. And it seems like all the pressure, it seems like they put so much fucking pressure on him that he's so scared to make a bad throw, to make a whatever, because he knows he's just going to get ripped on by America because America's, te- you know, America's team. Everybody loves to play bad. Everybody fucking hating you. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like they need to bring in a younger guy, kind of like a McVeigh, kind of like a LaFleurish, some young guy who can literally be like, you know what, bud? Let your talent do your thing. Go out there and play. We'll call you the plays, but just go have fun. Free reign, no pressure. And I feel like bringing in McCarthy, oh, he won a Super Bowl. That's why we're bringing him in here. To get... yeah. All that pressure that was built up from that. 12 years ago. <laughs> exactly. For what? <laughs> League that's completely different and a coach that was sitting on his couch. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of one name that comes to mind, and again, the team that knocked the Cowboys out, 
out of the playoffs, Kyle Shanahan for the 49ers. There's been a lot of question marks around his name, a losing overall record when they're like, okay, Matt Nagy's got to go. They compare him to Kyle Shanahan. They basically had identical records for their time coming into the league. Obviously, depending on how the 49ers end the season and maybe in the next season what it looks like, if Kyle Shanahan's on the table, I feel like he'd be an amazing fit in Dallas. Can utilize Dak, like, like you said, in the fourth quarter when he comes alive, he's a top 10 quarterback. But then you also can use guys like Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb in the run game, kind of like they do with Debo, and then probably get a lot more efficiency and utilization out of Zeke Elliott too. So again, if you can get a similar guy like that, like, like I agree with you again, Mike's not the guy they need to move on from him. Obviously who knows how long that's going to take. It could be another 10 years. If it's anything like the Jason Garrett fiat, like how long that dragged out. Man, Kellen Moore, he proved himself to be pretty, you know, they led the league in points. They led the league in yards. Like they were scoring, you know, it's not his, it's not his fault. So obviously, and he's obviously one of the main guys talked about that's going to get a head coaching job or a big gig somewhere else. And then talking about Shanahan to the Niners, I feel like the Cowboys is the destination, you know, like the Patriots as well. I feel like those are the spots that are up in the top, top, because you know that you're going to get all the resources, you know, everybody's going to, you know, that everybody's all in. Yeah. Some of these other teams, you really don't have that. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, as much as it's like us as Packers fans and just like watching what happened to the Cowboys yesterday, as much as it's comical and like always fun to see them lose just because of being known as one of the most toxic fan bases. And again, they proved it after the loss yesterday, throwing garbage at their own players and refs. Um, and then on top of it, when in the press conference afterwards, Dak Prescott addressed like calling out fans for throwing garbage at the players. And then one of the reporters is like, from my understanding, they're trying to throw at the refs. And he basically endorsed it saying, oh, good for them. Like, like that's an L franchise. If you're, if you're that, like, if you're that salty towards like refs, like as, as a professional athlete, yeah, not every game is going to go your way as far as refing goes, but you're already lost. You're already making yourself look bad. And then on top of it, they don't save any face just with how the way they've handled everything yet. Yeah, like if anything, McCarthy's handled it the best way by st- sticking to his gun saying like he takes responsibility. He didn't point fingers saying, Oh, it wasn't my decision. It was this guy's and this guy's it was bad execution, but this player, that player, like he's the only guy who kind of took it on the chin and is like, yeah, I take full responsibility for it. But as for everybody else, I mean, yeah, like emotions are high. You just like your season just came to an end when you had, aspirations of making it the distance but at the same time you're a professional athlete on tv in front of millions of people like you're america's team you have to you have to keep that keep that face and they kind of lost that yesterday after the game yeah especially when a controversial moment like that happens obviously your emotions get into it and you don't think rationally you're you're just upset yeah and that's when you need a head coach like mccarthy did and be like no that was on me. Obviously, he's the head coach. He gets all the credit and all the blame. 
one way or the other. And I don't know, kind of like something that Rodgers, some of these top quarterbacks, Brady, you can't get upset and you can't let your emotions fluctuate over something you have literally no control over. Yeah. The one thing that they could have controlled is Dak not throwing an interception, getting seven points and being up 24 to 23 and not worrying about that. Like if they would have focused on the things that they can control, the penalties, the, they wouldn't have been in that situation. And obviously Dak saying that not a good look, but also I feel like if you put it into the context surrounding that moment, if you were in his shoes, I probably would have said something along the same. Oh yeah. I would have probably said, I hope they're waiting for him in the parking lot. Even worse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just overall is obviously a bad way to end the season, especially at home, like having a rival team come in that has a lot of history. And how many fans are in the stands just crying. I know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a rough. It's disappointing, especially because yeah. this year was the year that literally all former Cowboys, something different about this team than the past. Like, this is the team. Like, this, Mike Parsons, like, they had everything built up to potentially do that. But when you shoot yourselves in the foot and handicap yourself, you ain't going to get there, no matter how good your team is. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why Tampa got out of the Eagles game is because Tom – calmed down and turned it, turned things around. Their defense stepped up when they need, you know, it's like their backs got pushed against that wall. Like, all right, they're coming. We need to end this now. And the Cowboys two lacks. Like I said, I feel like it's all coaching. It's all their personnel. They're two lax days goal and they're not focused enough. Mm-hmm. Like it just seems like they're not focused enough guys out on the field. Look like early in the game, Dak, they're on the ball, receivers running like the wrong route, stopping, slowing up. And it's just like, that's practice. That's practice issues right there. Not going 100%, not wanting it to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And that's football, every, every professional sport. Because obviously all the athletes are pretty much close as far as skill and all that stuff across the board. That's why they're professional athletes. So the minute details are the hugest difference. Yeah. when everybody is that equal yeah I mean, everybody that steps on the field in any sport they're all good athletes there's just some that are great and there's some that are legendary but everybody's good i mean you're at the highest level and what that's... separates that difference is the details yeah exactly. the, the minor mistakes yeah and jumping into my questions here after last night's route 42 to 21 chiefs over the steelers do you think that was the last we see a big Ben in the NFL? Whether that's coaching, helping out, playing, like, do you think this was the end? I mean, it'd be cool to see him have some kind of foot in the door, kind of like an Eli Manning is with the giants, as far as his fan interaction kind of thing. Like he's the face, he's a face of the Steelers. When you think of the Pittsburgh Steelers, you think Terry Bradshaw, bus Ben. And those are like gunpoint name three Steelers right now. Those are like the first three that come to my head. I think it's um, Troy, Troy Palomaro. Yeah. him too. Um, yeah. He's a, he's a face of the Steelers. Like this, like as much as it sucks for the steel, the, the season to end that way. I mean, it was kind of already looking that way. Their defense came up huge to start the game game, like 
bunch of momentum with that strip sack by TJ Watt. Again, goes to show that he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year, hands down, even though that game should have no weight on the decision. It just goes to show that come postseason, he steps up regardless. But yeah, um, as far as a player, I think he's done. I mean, he's kind of he's kind of, he's hinted at that for a while. Obviously, he hasn't um, addressed the question directly, saying yes, I'm done. This is like because he's focused on the next game. They have to win Week 18 to get in. They have a playoff game ahead of them. He has more important things to worry about. He has months and months to think about this decision. Um, but yeah, it'd be cool to see him back. I mean, on the sidelines. Maybe as a coach down the down the road, I I mean the Steelers seem pretty like set top to bottom as far as coaching. It doesn't seem like there's any holes in their special teams, defense, offense, really anywhere where it's like all right, we're gonna plug him in. But maybe take some time off. Um, I mean, he doesn't seem like. I mean, it'd be cool. Like we see Romo in the booth quickly became one of the best commentators arguably Drew Brees in the booth a couple of times he's been in the booth it's been fun to listen into anytime you get a former quarterback hall of fame quarterback at that to step into the booth you're gonna have eyes and ears on those games don't know if that's something that he would consider but I mean it'd be cool like I said to see him kind of keep his foot in the door with the league in some way shape or form I actually see him coming back and playing one more really yeah, I feel like he ended on a solid – he ended on a great dude. Like, he was balling last night. He was playing very well. Looked like some of the old, young, young, big, red, big Ben Roethlisberger that we <laughs> moving around, shedding sacks, staying alive, and still making a fucking play. Like, <clears throat> I don't know. I just feel like – With the Steelers? Like, he comes back with the Steelers, you think? I do. I really do. I think la- I think next year will be – I think next year is going to be it for him. I feel like he's going to give it one more ride. Look at their team that they have, how young their wide receivers are. Like one more year with Najee, one more year with that defense to get a little better. You add a couple pieces here and there, you're right there again. Like you're right there again, playoff bound, chance for a Super Bowl. And he went 29 for 44, 215, two touchdowns, no picks. Like he played great. Mm-hmm. the part that fell apart for the Steelers team was they don't have the, the explosive plays that the Chiefs do. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at time of possession was dead, even 30 to 30 where the Steelers got killed was third downs. They let up eight for 12. And if you can't get off the field against that team who has the, that many weapons, like early in the game was when they needed to go score, 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 because they could have been up 21 zero kind of like the chiefs were to them in the second quarter. And that's, that was the game right there. Mm -hmm. And just kind of like Ben. Yeah. I think we're going to lose by like 20 points, 21. Like he was dead right about what he was feeling as far as going into the game. And I feel like because, he was kind of joking in just all goofy with the media. I feel like he was setting it up for one more. I feel like he's all this is being set up for one more ride. I feel like, but if it is the end of his career, hell of a career, he's going to be a hall of famer. No doubt. Um, Obviously I think he's the greatest Steelers quarterback of all time. 
Yeah, I mean, hell of a career, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, kind of like the points you brought up and thinking about it too, just with kind of how he handled the question towards the end of the season. Hinted at it, kind of has that joking with the media, gives him gives him stuff to kind of circulate around and get clicks and feed upon for people like us to talk about. I feel like it makes sense for a guy of his caliber to going into the season, this is my last season, instead of is it or isn't it, this is. That way you know cut and clear, this is, our, this is my last game at home overall in the playoffs, whatever it turns out to be. Um, yeah, I mean, it'd be cool to see him come back. Obviously, as long as he plays at a high level, Two years ago, it's like, oh, this guy should have retired. This year, he kind of put that to bed. He's like, I still got it. There's a couple throws last night. I know there's a couple of breaking routes to where he sailed the ball over a guy's head a couple times where you can kind of see the age is catching up to him a little bit. But he still zings it in. Like you said, he still knocks dudes off of him, rolls out, has a little bit of mobility left in him, and zings the ball in when he needs to. Um yeah, obviously he's a fan of the game. It'd be cool to see him come back. But like I said, it just – I don't know. But like you said but, as well, they're, they're only a couple pieces away, a fully healthy team from getting right back there, if not making a, a deep push in the, on the AFC side. Um, but also look at, look at the AFC North. The Ravens come back. Again, questionable with their quarterback position, but they're still a solid team. Bengals have proven. Who knows how far they go. Browns, a decent quarterback away. That's going to be a tough division. That might be the best back. division in football. Yeah. Depending what happens in the NFC West, again, with Russ and Jimmy G, if those two spots become vacant, if you can't replace those two spots with equal or better quarterbacks, NFC West all of a sudden becomes lopsided with the Cardinals and the Rams on the top. Um, or the Cardinals and the uh, – yeah, Cardinals and the Rams. But – but yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's gonna have a lot to do with it too. I'm sure he's gonna have his eyes on eyes on what Schefter's reporting on the other three teams in the division as to shit. They added this guy to their team. They added this guy to their team, and he's like, my my bones ache a little more than they used to. Like, do I want to put myself through that for one more year? That's the thing too. You run off into the sunset. The dude has a lot of respect. You come back for one more year. Is it worth it to bang up your body for one more year and on a really bad note? He get like there's a, a couple of years down the stretch here that he's had injuries that have put him out for lengthy parts of the season. Does he want to end on a week three, week four game that puts him out the rest of the year with a banged up elbow or a torn bicep, whatever some of those injuries he had, to where it's like, shit, we watched him wait play his last game and it was very anticlimactic because he got hurt. I'm sure he doesn't want to go out that way either. So I just look at his body from two years ago to coming into this year, how much weight he's lost, how much better he's looked physically healthier. Like, I don't feel like he'd be putting that much work into for one last ride. Like, I feel like this is a two year. I feel like this was like a two year process. I feel like he's going to come sit in the off season, obviously decide with Pittsburgh, what he's going to do if he's going to choose to come back. I personally think he does for one last ride, tells them this is it. No, there ain't going to be one more. Like this is all the chips on the table. This is the last ride. Do everything that you can to help us make the best team that we can have for one last ride. And they'll be like, okay, sounds good. 
and I think that they could be right back where they are. Take that tie away from where they were against the, the Lions in that one week. They went to Ben in this wild card position, potentially. Yeah, they and, might have had a home game instead. Yep. And that's what I mean. I feel like they were a couple pieces. Look at how banged up their team was with COVID. They lose Juju. Like, their team is banged up all season long, gimping along, and they still end up making it. I don't think he quits on how hard it. He just seems like one of those guys that's a genuine teammate. Like, he respects how hard everybody's worked this season to get where they were, bang, like, half half strength, 70%. What could we do if we're a hundred percent and give it one more go? Like, I feel like he's going to get talked back by a couple of the guys are going to be like, come on, dude, let's just go one more. Like, I feel like he's the type of guy that would go one more. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't feel like he wants to go out being a regular, you know, just making the playoffs and losing. I, I feel like he wants to at least get a playoff win under his belt, maybe make it to the AFC championship, go out with, a lot more of first round exit in the playoffs because he is that type of guy yeah just thinking about it i hope he it doesn't ever it doesn't turn into like a brett Favre situation where he takes too much time kind of is back and forth changing his mind to where they move on from him but he says he still wants to play so then there's a little bit of hurt feelings with him leaving as well um i i haven't seen as far as when he like has decided oh, it'll be a couple of weeks. It'll be a month before I come up with my final decision. I haven't seen anything like that yet to where if that does linger on a little long, I mean, up until about, I mean, end of March, once you get within that one month of the draft, you have to have an idea who you're, who's coming back, who isn't for, for your team. That way, you know who to go after in the draft, because again, Mason Rudolph doesn't seem like he's the guy. Dwayne Haskins, I don't think, is the guy either. So if he takes too long, they're going to have to make the decision for him. And maybe they go out, they go after a quarterback and bring another quarterback in. Sam Howell, um, trying to think who else. Uh, I was going to say Notre Dame quarterback. Uh, Jack Cohn, did he re- declare for the draft? I can't remember. I'm just trying to think of the top quarterbacks in this year's draft. Sam Hall is the only one I can think of just because it's kind of a, a weird year where we might not see a quarterback taken in the top 10, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, I was just looking just to see if there was any rumors or anything coming out since. And it looks like he pretty much addressed the media late, the last guy to address the media after the game yesterday. And he pretty much announced that he's officially stepping away. So, I think that's the end of the era. So, like you said, though, hopefully he stays involved with the Steelers. Obviously, blue-collar guy from Ohio. Like, I don't know. He doesn't – he seems like he'd, he's going to live in Pittsburgh forever. <laughs> he'd yeah. be a part of that organization. Yeah. Like, like you said, face of the franchise, when you think of Steelers, you think of Ben Roethlisberger immediately. Yeah. Then on my other question here, who will be playing in both the NFC Championship and AFC Championship after getting to see, obviously, tonight's game we still have to see yet, but this is without, obviously, seeing tonight's game. 
because so far the match, Bengals, Titans, Niners, Packers, whoever wins tonight at the Bucks and Bills Chiefs are all set for next weekend. As much as I hate to say it, I think we're going to have an exact replica of last year. Chiefs, Bills, Packers, Bucks, both sides again. The only the only team I'd entertain is the Who'd Rams. You say it was gonna be? Bill, Bills, Chiefs, Packers. They play Bucks. each other. They play each other next weekend. Oh shit! Okay. Ooh, I kind of like that then. Um, and then it's Bengals Titans. Bengals Titans. I kind of forgot about the Titans. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, they've been sitting there and nobody's been nobody's saying talking anything. about that. Everybody's like, oh, the Chiefs look good. Bengals look good. They got their first win in 31 years. Titans are like, all right, yeah, keep talking your talk. We'll just sit here and get healthy. Oh, um, quick little thing on the Bengals. The first ever text message was sent saying that the Bengals won a playoff game. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. That's like in the history long. of our world. Like, that's crazy to think that that was possible. And then, and then the longest postseason drought in professional all perform professional sports and now the lions hold the title because they're they're 31 years the lions are 30 so literally they're just one year apart so now the lions have the longest postseason victory drought in professional sports so um yeah cool to see them end it i was just checking it's actually the sacramento kings 14 years the Lions are 30 years since a playoff win. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why does that come up then? Maybe just for NBA or maybe just postseason appearance. I think it was just postseason appearance. Yeah. Because I'm sure the Lions have been drought in. In last 14 years, I'd imagine the Lions have been to the playoffs at least once. But, but yeah, I mean, if they're – right. I think it's going to be, I guess, since the Bills and Chiefs can't be in the AFC Championship, I think it's going to be Bills-Titans. I'd like to see the Chiefs go down. If the Bills can have the same intensity – um go into Kansas city and have the start that they did against uh, the Patriots. I mean, they had a, the, the first ever NFL perfect game, seven drives, seven touchdowns, no punts, no turnovers, no turnover on down, turnover on downs, no fourth downs. Then you have to go for it on fourth down at all in the game. Absolutely perfect game. That's what and you the want. Defense showed up and showed out. That's yeah. the number one defense. That, that pick by Micah Parsons, that was just that was a Micah switch for what I said. Did I say Parsons? <laughs> yeah, he switched teams mid-game. Um yeah, I like the Bill. I like the Bills, maybe even making it all the way on the AFC side. Bills Titans. And then yeah, I think on the a- NFC side, we're gonna see a rematch of last year. Packers, Bucks. The only team I would see dethroning the Bucks would be the Rams. I think the Rams, I picked the Rams to win tonight. Rams shit on the on the Bucks earlier in the year. Obviously, playoff Tom is a completely different beast. So we'll see kind of how that game goes. We'll be able to tell right. I shouldn't even say we'll be able to tell right away. Rams come out hot, doesn't matter. If Tom has that face, you, you know it, it 
you're in for it. If Tom gets out to a hot start, I don't think that defense has enough to, like pieces and power to hang in there. And the and Stafford again, when the pressure is too high, interceptions and pick sixes and bad throws. So, um, but yeah, I'll say Bills, Titans, Packers, Bucks. I think it's going to be Cardinals, Packers. Even though you picked the the Rams to win, yeah. If JJ Watt, because he's gonna play, he wasn't yeah. supposed to. He wasn't supposed to. He was just activated, and he was gonna be back for if they won. Now he's playing, and that's a huge impact that they have on the defense to be able to shut down their running game. Because the Rams, they get one dimensional. Stafford's gonna lose them that game. Cardinal secondary is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I'm. I'm going to switch and I'm going to take Cardinals. They're going to beat the Rams. And I think it's going to be, they're going to beat the Bucks as well. Um, Tampa, when they know, like it, they do such good research on who the quarterback is and how, what their play style is. Cardinals, you don't know what they're going to do. They're a part of that offense where, Wide receiver reverse option quarterback wide receiver throw. You have no idea what's coming. Wildcat. They move, I feel like they're a wildcat the too. Field, and they move the field left and right. Like mm-hmm. they move the pocket where the Ram or the Eagles, excuse me, were just straight up the middle, up the middle, up the middle, up the middle. And Kyler Murray is definitely a way better ball thrower than Jalen Hurts. She's way more agile, way more explosive. Their defense also is better. I feel like they have the chance to upset the Tampa Bay Bucks because Tampa's secondary sucks. They didn't get a chance to get exposed until late in the game when the Eagles had to air it out. And what did they do? Right down the field, right down the field, two, yep. three plays, 60, 70, 80 yards, touchdowns. Like that is Tampa's weakness. You have to get – you have to stop their blitzing, stop in which having a quarterback that has – obviously has more experience than Jalen Hurts – I feel like if this was a couple of years in and that we had that same matchup, Eagles walk away with the win because of the mobility on the quarterback play. Tampa likes to keep you it stuck in the pocket, not being able to move. When you can move and extend those plays, Tampa's defense is – they're bad. They're not as good as they were last year, which carried them to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I think Arizona wins. And then as far as the other side <clears> – <throat> I think Cincinnati has so much momentum going with that win. They're going to carry it with them to upset the Titans. I think the Titans come out and start slow. Obviously, everybody knows their game plan. They're going to hand it to Henry for the majority of the part. But the Bengals play the physical type of style that the Titans do to go smash mouth football. And I'm just going to go – quarterbacks it's going to be the difference of this game joey burrow is going to outduel Tannehill, and i think that's going to be the story of that game other side i'm going to agree with you i think josh allen and the bills end up upsetting the chiefs just due to quarterbacks pretty much even offenses i guess pretty much even where the difference is in that defense special teams game chiefs have advantage special teams but bills have the advantage in the defense when you can rush three and four and get after the quarterback like they do consistently, 
you're tough to beat. Bills, Bills, Bengals, Cardinals, Packers. Yeah, I mean, I like I almost like yours better just because it's it's new faces. You know what I mean? I mean the Titans are a new face too, just because they. I mean, I can't remember the last time they made it to an AFC Championship. They got wild card divisional round every couple of years. I think it was a couple of years, years ago that they lost to the Chiefs, I think, in the AFC Championship. Or was it the uh, Patriots? Because wasn't that Brady's last throw as a Patriot was a pick six? You're right. Yeah. That was – Because they beat the Titans in the divisional. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, once you get to this point – Divisional weekend, all these teams are good teams. There's not there's not a matchup to where it's like, oh, this team's gonna piss pound the other team. Yeah, there's so, there's some there's some holes in each team. It's a matter of which team can capitalize on those without exposing their own weaknesses too much. I mean, as much as we talk highly about our Packers, run defense is gonna be the difference against the Niners. And against special a team teams. Who, yeah, against a team who's gonna run the ball really well. Um I mean, nice thing is it's going to be a really cold day at Lambeau. Ball is hard to hang on to when it's like carrying a uh, a frozen brick. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be a really good game. Both all all four of them, both both sides. So definitely looking forward to those this weekend. And obviously, after tonight's game and who wins and whatnot, we actually get to see the two teams playing. This is all speculation without seeing them play, but. One of the who knows if we think the Cardinals and the Rams look the best out of any of the teams after tonight. Yeah, like we'll we'll be able to see. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Then uh, we'll move over to the NBA here. Um, one of the kind of the trending things is Brooklyn Nets star and just overall star around the league, Kevin Durant, is set to be out four to six weeks with an MCL sprain. Um, Obviously, the face of that team, that Giannis effect, they're not the same without him. How far do you think the Nets fall in the East without Durant for the next month, month and a half? Let's take a look at their schedule. Because, again, they don't have really a healthy James Harden back yet. I think they're going to be just fine. They have a lot of road games. Kyrie is going to be able to eat up and chip in a lot of minutes. I think they'll be just fine. They ain't going to drop too far. And they're playing right now, and they're beating the Cavs 22-16. Early, obviously, in the game. But they're playing I think right that now? Yeah. That's an early game. Because they have to make up some of the games. Oh, like yeah, right. we're going to be seeing sports at all times of the day from here on through the rest of the year for NBA and NHL. It's going to be insane. Jeez, Hornets, Knicks are done already. When yeah, there's start? there's three two games that are done. One mm. game's in the third quarter right now. Jeez. Celtics beat the Pelicans already earlier this morning as well. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I, I can, I agree with you. I mean, they're going to slide a little bit, I think. Maybe maybe a spot or two spots. But again, um, just looking at the East, they are in the two spot. Only a half, half a game behind Chicago, half a game ahead of Miami. Um, That's funny. The first four teams have 27 wins. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, honestly, I see him falling into the fourth spot. Milwaukee's a game and a half back. I don't see them falling any farther than that. Obviously, no, nothing to be concerned about. Um, if they can get healthy, come playoff time, they're still probably going to be the favorite out of the East. But, yeah, obviously sucks for them. And, I mean, for, for Durant, too, he's been back and forth with Giannis and Curry. Curry kind of out of the conversation for a little while here because of his recent play. But, um, yeah, it's kind of been between him and Giannis for MVP. So long as Bucks, I mean, Bucks have been struggling a little bit too. I know they lost last time out against the Raptors, who apparently have their number this year. I don't know if they've beat the Raptors at all this year, <laughs> but um, they have a game tonight against the Hawks, who are kind of a distraught team out of the East. Just got rid of Cam Reddish, one of their top guys. If they can get back on track against them, good. If they don't, maybe the Bucks are to be concerned about as well. Gosh, that's a tough after the Hawks, Grizzlies, and Bulls are the next two games for the Bucks. So those are gonna be two good yeah, tests. The Grizzlies just got pounded the other day. Or yeah, yeah. Saw that. But then on to my first question here. Obviously, this is one of the debatable lineups here. 2000 Laker team versus the 96 Bulls in a seven game series. Who do you think wins? 2000 team that was Fisher, Kobe, Shaq, um, Horace Grant, Rick Fox, Ron Harper, Robert Ori, Ty Lu was on that team. I'm going to give the edge to that 2000 Lakers team just because of the size and physicality of Shaq. Who, who on that 96 Bulls team goes toe-to-toe with Shaq and is able to give him a run for his money? Nobody. Who goes on a run? Who, who could do that ever in the history? Yeah. No one. Um, I mean, Kobe, Kobe and, and MJ are in the same conversation as far as the great two of the greatest players that ever step on the court. Obviously, MJ is – most people put MJ ahead, but also if somebody makes a case for Kobe, I'm not going to look at them and say you're crazy either. So, I mean, those two are in the same breath as far as great at basketball greats. But, yeah, and then when it comes down to in the paint, the physicality, that, that Bulls team just doesn't – I mean, Dennis Rodman, knows, known for his rebounding, is the only guy I could see kind of – but put Dennis Rodman next to Shaq, and you're like, yeah, no, no, no shot. So – um, yeah, I mean, it'd be a really good matchup to see, but yeah, I got to give the edge to that Lakers team. All right. Then just to go one step further, that Lakers team versus the Golden State team with KD. Same thing. Damn. I almost, I would put the 20, that Lakers, they're the Warriors team above the 96 Bulls. So I think it'd be a better matchup between the 2000 Lakers just because of the shooting. You know what I mean? What, like. And if you really want to talk about like a shooting matchup, that'd be the Celtics team with KG, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Rondo, 
versus the Golden State team. That would be the ultimate shooting match. Yeah, that'd be a freaking 140-150 game for every NBA final. <laughs> um, gosh. I think I'm still I'm still gonna get I'd still give the edge to the Lakers though over that over that Warriors team. As good as they were, again, who do you put against them? Who, who do they have? Kevon Looney was either set their center. So it'd be Looney or Draymond Green against Shaq. Again, that's the difference. That's the difference maker. And just I feel like Steph Curry, as good as his handles are, you put Kobe on him. KD like, would take Kobe for sure. Yeah, that's true. Because then who would? But then you have Derek Fisher and Robert Ory, both who can drain threes as well. Yeah. Clay Thompson and Steph have to guard them, and they're not as good as defenders. So I feel like no. that's the one thing I feel like defending in basketball has just gotten less and less and less. It's kind of like a win-win for the sport because it's like, yeah, more points are getting scored. Less people are getting injured. It's just not, you know, yeah. But then, you, then you watch the playoffs and then the defense is like, where, where the fuck has this been all season? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are some really good teams. And I mean, you can make a case for any of them. Oh, yep. But, but yeah, that, that 2000 Lakers team just, Again, Shaq, who do you who do you match up with him and be able to stop what he's doing down in the paint consistently? <laughs> but the most unstoppable person in sports. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, and kind of talking about that dominant Warriors team. Started out dominant this year. They've kind of been not not so much lately. Uh, and Clay Thompson's return, he's been. I don't know if I'd say ice cold, but not quite stepping in and doing what he was expected to do in his return for the Lakers, for the Lakers, the Warriors, as they've now lost three of the last four games. Even if they turn around the ship by the postseason, do you see them having enough pieces to make a run in the West against the Suns, the Jazz, the Grizzlies, who have kind of inserted themselves into the conversation? Do you think the Warriors have enough to make it to a final, uh, a Western Conference Finals past one, if not two of those teams along the way? No, I don't see them making the Conference Finals this year just because they're so streaky. They haven't been able to show me that in a game that they have good offense, that they have good defense as well. They're not – I don't know. They just seem like the most dysfunctional team, but don't get me wrong. They could win a game, two games in the series by out shooting you, know, 130 to fucking 80. Like, they could do that to you, but also at the same time, they could also get blown out 120 to 80 and be like, what? Yeah. I feel like they just they just seem like the most incomplete team. And with trying to get Clay now back into the mix with his touches, you have a lot of younger guys who can contribute who now their minutes are cut. I don't know. I feel like this is the start of a dysfunctional time for the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, no no doubt going to be a playoff team. Um, but again, even if they turn things around, just the consistency of the Suns this year, the Jazz, number one scoring team in the league, 
They can drop 130, 140 points every night at, at will. And then, again, the Grizzlies had their streak ended. Again, one of those teams that doesn't have a top defense but has a top offense, pushes the ball really well. Again, John Morant leading – Alfie's leading everybody, but I know he's in the top couple guys as far as points in the paint with just his explosiveness to get to the basket. Um, yeah, a perfect word to describe the Warriors are now dysfunctional as far as the guys they have out. Again, Draymond Green, I think still a week or two out with his calf injury uh, before he's back. Clay's been cold. Um, he's been out. Yeah, Curry. And like you said, some of the key guys like Jordan Poole, Peyton, um, Kaminga, some of these guys off the bench who were giving a lot of good looks and giving a lot of production. Um, with when Clay was out, they're getting some of their minutes cut back. Uh, so yeah, I mean, a lot of times turn the season around, but yeah, I don't see them making the Western Conference Finals either. And then I'm my second question here. I'm changing it on you. Lakers, after their big surge that they had to get back in up the ranks, I think they were highest fifth spot. Now on a three-game losing streak in their last game, getting blown up by 40 points against the Nuggets. Um, do you see this team, like I said, making it? Tr- I know we've talked about this before, but then they kind of – all the noise went quiet when they started winning. But now that they're losing again, do you feel like they make a move here? Do you feel like this Lakers team just gets way too much praise? because obviously they have LeBron on it. Do you think they find themselves out of the playoffs? I think they find themselves in the play-in tournament, but barely sneak in as the last seed or get or lose in the play-in tournament. Just with their inconsistency, again, like you mentioned, losing to the Nuggets last time out, the Nuggets are not a high-scoring team. They're a top defensive team. The way that they win basketball games – is by having gritty, not high 90s, low 100s games and trying to just grit it out in the end. They hold the Lakers to 96, which is expected. Good defensive team. They put up, they put up 133. Again, the Lakers, the only way that they've been able to really stick with teams is by going tat for tat in these shootout games to the end and hoping that they can LeBron can catch fire and drop. 10, 15 points in the fourth quarter to win them a game. And like you said, going back to their streak, they put up 119 points, 119 points, good. No, lose. they lose because they give up 127. 116 points again against the Kings, nope, not enough. They give up 125. Like, they they, they just they think they're 24th or no, 26th or 27th in the league defensively, giving up points. And again, after – a week or two ago, they had their lowest uh, turnover game, and they got five turnovers, which was the lowest in two, two and a half years, right back to 10, 15 turnovers a game again. It was very short-lived. And, again, the longevity of LeBron is going to get tested when, once they face some really good teams down the stretch here. And again, tonight, hosting the Jazz, top-scoring team in the league. I don't th- – I mean – Jazz on the road at the Lakers, four and a half point favorites. 
honestly, I think they should be favored more than that. And I think they, that the Jazz could win more by more than that. Um, yeah, I don't, I, the, below them, I don't think the, the Lakers, have, like, I'm not too worried about the Kings, Portland, Spurs moving up and knocking the Lakers out of the play-in. I think they stay in that 7-10 to 10 range in the play-in. But again, playing against a team like the Clippers, like Minnesota, two good defensive teams, I think that they one of those teams knocked them out of the play-in. I, I think that they go as far as missing the playoffs. Entirely. Um, yeah, or getting knocked out in that play-in tournament the first game just because of what you said. Every game that they've won has been – Overtime, last second shot, one point, four points. Every game that they've lost, they're getting fucking blown out by 20, 15, 30 points. Like, it's embarrassing. Yeah. It's literally, I was just, before you even brought that up, I was just scrolling through their scores, and I was literally thought that to myself. I was just like, every time I see their name, they're winning by two, two points, one point, five points, ten points. Every time that they're losing, to losing by 33 15, 25, 40, like when they get beat, they get whooped. And yeah, they're going to be running the gauntlet here pretty, pretty shortly here. Yeah. Um, And just looking at their record, there are only two, two more losses away and a couple trailblazers wins. Granted the trailblazers have games in hand as well. There are a couple losses away from being 10th if not 11th, because the Kings, I think that they beat them four times this year already. Yeah. King, like, yeah, Kings have played them well. And thinking about the Trailblazers, too, is kind of – they started off really well. I think they were 10-0 or 11-0 at home to start the year, looking really good, and they just kind of felt falling off the cliff. Injuries, big part of it. They're going to eventually get McCollum and Lillard back. You get those two guys back playing at a high level, they could – end up seven or eight spot. I don't see them doing enough to make it in the top six, but thinking about it more at first, it was like, Oh, no shot that any teams below the Lakers knock them out of the play in. But like you said, the Kings play them well, again, a high don't really play defense, but have a high scoring offense and they have the youth and the depth. I mean, they have seven, eight point guards on their squad. So they have a lot of guys that can rotate between that are all good shooters and then, like you were just saying, Trailblazers, they get healthy. Again, they're they're a good team at home. And yeah, if I'm the Lakers, even, I'm worried. Yeah. Pelicans even, they're about to get Zion back, and they've hung around with what they've had as a team so far and losing all the pieces that they've lost in the offseason to the Bulls with Lonzo and who else left? Like, or, yeah, that Dave, was Lonzo. Dave, Davis. A few big yeah. piece that they got rid of a couple going years to ago. exactly like for that team they're still in the thick of it right now easily enough games left to make the playoffs and pass a couple of these teams Clippers when they get Kawhi back they're about to surge you know like the Lakers have been playing at full strength all year long and they find themselves at this position all the teams around them are significantly hurt right now mm-hmm. and the big thing too with the Lakers was LeBron. A perfect five and zero or six and zero in playing center. Dwight Howard comes back. Howard takes oh. the center position. He moves back to power. Moves back to power forward. Awesome. Losing streak. Yeah. So it's it's weird how making that move, but also at the same time, I feel like it's less. In some ways, it's less fatigue on LeBron if he can just roam the paint, 
get easy baskets, close high percentage shots, not playing that power forward position. Oftentimes he's taking the ball up the court, taking like harder shots, getting banged around more, making place to the basket. Um, But also I almost wonder if you put Dwight Howard on the bench, Davis comes back, he takes that power forward position, you move LeBron back to center. If they're smart, that's what they do because the uh, statistics don't lie. LeBron belongs at the center position, even though. Well, he- dude, nobody can move like he can. He's six nine, two fifty, and he move. He can move. Yeah. Centers like if you watch centers in the game, you can. They're the ones that have the hardest time moving up and down the floor, side to side. Mm-hmm. So you get LeBron. Bump, bump, bump. What is LeBron known for? Taking it to the paint, driving the ball to the hoop. Easy on a center for points, and like you said, less contact i feel like on the body as far as moving through screens moving through this yeah. moving through that where you just get to stay down low on the big guy yeah yeah it'll be interesting again once davis comes back kind of what the, the moves that they make because like you said they've been i mean they haven't been at full strength but compared to some other teams they've been they've had a lot of their guys that they've needed in with the exception of covid but also again everybody's had to deal with that um, they get Davis back. There's no excuses. You're at full strength. You have Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis on the court. You have no excuses. If they can't win basketball games. They're going to continue to fall down that Western conference rankings as these other teams below them get healthier and healthier. Yeah. Then, uh, moving over to the ice here, um, again, kind of, one of the trending teams as far as a downward trend, talked about them a couple times in the last week or two here. Uh, again, the Oilers continue slipping in the West. They've had a couple games postponed. Um, but as we talked about, I believe last episode, their last game, they lost six to four to the Senators who arguably one, one of the worst, if not the worst team in hockey right now. Um, rumors have circulated that the team may pursuing Sharks free agent Evander Kane. Do you think this is a good move for the Oilers or too risky of a move given his track record? And also, I mean, they still got to wait for the NHL's investigation to close before they even consider making a move, depending on what they decide to do with them. I feel like this would be a huge pickup. I'm actually surprised that the Sharks went to the lengths they did to just fucking can him. Yeah. Like he's, he's a very good player, and this is the first off-ice really issue that he's had that's been – broadcasted to the world um obviously i don't know like if i was put in that same position you know like we had casey on the podcast if you'd like as far as all the hoops and shit you got to jump through as far as being vaccinated and all this fuck i might have tried to do that if i was in that position and didn't want to get it like Look at all. I'm I'm sure the the few people that we've heard getting caught, you know, him, A, B, a couple of the other people in the NFL. I'm sure there's hundreds and hundreds of athletes that have done this. Yeah. Just they haven't gotten caught. So I don't know. I feel like that could be, you know, another scoring forward brought to that lineup. I feel like it helped them definitely get along. And they're still in it. They're only six. They have six games in hand behind the Ducks and they're only seven points back. So they could easily boost themselves right back into the thick of it, right behind the Golden Knights. If they pick up right where, you know, they started the season off when they returned to play. 
And what's crazy too is Dreisaitl and McDavid are both still in the top five for points and goals, and they've and they have how many games? Yep. <laughs> Which is crazy. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you don't want the shit streak to last too long because you're losing games and other teams are winning games. That's two points a pop that you're falling behind each game. But like you said, when you have two of the most dynamic goal scorers in, in the game, you can't completely rule them out at this point. And they don't even play until Saturday. Yeah. So they're on like... Oh, a... it's, thir- it's Saturday now? Yeah, 22nd. That's their next game. Damn. Oh, I'm just kidding. Thursday. I was going to say... Play the Panthers. I, I was going to say, I thought they played Thursday, but I wouldn't have been surprised if that got canceled or postponed, I should say. Yeah, I'm... Who knows what's going to happen? Like I said, with this whole border thing with Canada closing their things down, the NHL's already at 114 114 games total that have been postponed this year, but there's been one, two, three, four, five that have been made up already. They still have so many freaking games to make up this year. And, like, just looking at all the games, most of it is the Canadian teams playing – whoever they're playing. It's one of them for most parts of the games that they need to make up. And then Montreal right now, they're, they've been on, they've been stuck here in the U S for a while now. And they, I don't think they go back until the 24th. So they're here for another week yet, still ripping games almost every day to try to catch up some of the games and all that type of stuff. It's going to be really, really interesting as far as coming. I Like I said, we were talking last night off the air. I don't think, unless they want to push the Stanley Cup back almost a little bit, I don't think that they have enough time to get in all of these games, to get in the full 82, given they're already 100 back. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's so many hours, dude. And then my... That's coming right into my question here. Do you think that the NHL shortens their season or do you think that they come up with some other sort of plan? Like for instance, end of the year, instead of playing games that are meaningless, if it's already wrapped up, just call it the end of the season and start to like, do you see them doing something like that to save some of these teams? Obviously, Canadians, Coyotes, like those teams are pretty much done at this point. Yeah. It's just like. I feel like it's tough. I feel like it'd be tough to say this is how many games we're going to play to where, all right, it's 82. We're going to cut it down to 70. Like it'd be hard to do that just because of how many teams are three, five, eight. Not what's, what's the farthest team back right now? Nine games, probably nine, 10 games. Um. To where you put a cap on a season, uh, like a team that hasn't really missed any games. If you put a cap on the season and say 60, 70 games, whatever they decide at, that team is going to have their 60 or 70 games done. And what they, they sit at home and chill for two or three weeks waiting for all these other teams to catch up. So I feel like it'd be hard to do that. But Senators are 10 games, 10 games behind the leader. Yeah. So again, they fit the, the team that that's 10 games ahead of them finishes. 
10 games that takes that's a week two, and a half if you play every day yeah <laughs> you go every other day two two and a half weeks so it's like it'd be like i said it'd be hard to just like we're gonna cut it cut 10 games off 12 games off boom once you get to this point you're done with your season because you're gonna have teams sitting for almost a month wait like if they, if they have a perfect season without it really any missed time again it's i don't even know how they would come again and we're like like you said if there's games that don't mean anything instead of playing them where there's 10 games left to play you're out you have no chance but also how do you like what dictates you have no chance you have 10 games to make up but you're 12 points back 12 points seems like a lot 10 point 10 games out that's 20 possible points like where do you draw the line of you don't have a shot you know what i mean it's where it's mathematically not possible yeah i guess but how many teams i mean there's only what probably four three or four teams that are at that point right now that the season ended right now to make up the games like how like like for instance the senators are 10 games back who who in their division ahead of them has that has the most games played. In the Senators' the most teams is 40. Tampa has 40 games played, so nine points back. Or nine games back, excuse me. And how many points are they back? 33. So, for instance, they'd be no, 18 possible points, 33 points back, you have no shot. So Correct. Like, Red Wings would be out because they're at the same amount of games played and they're 16 points back. Like if it gets to the, like if it gets to the point to where in your division if you don't have a chance or for the wild card spot, I feel like they could do that. Yeah. Cuz it's like the whole metro would still be alive. Yeah, I mean in the Pacific, like a crack in. They're two games back from – they have two games in the pocket from Vegas. If they won both of them, they'd still be 20 points back. <laughs> like, so there's, like, there's a handful of teams. But, again, how, like, how far do you let the season go before – because you cut – you let the season go one game longer, one game shorter. That's the difference maker to allow a team to have a chance to get in or not make it. Um, yeah, I don't even know what kind of scenario you throw out there as far as a shortened season that – keeps it fair across the board that allows teams that have a ton of games to make up a chance to, to come back. I don't know. Like I don't even, I can't even think of a scenario or like a format to even entertain an idea that makes it fair for these teams that are behind. Um, but also again, like I said, you wait, you let, you wait for these teams to catch up. More, more games are getting postponed teams that have, have only have one or two games or no games postponed this year. They're sitting and waiting for a couple of weeks. They get cold and they go to the playoffs and shit the bed because they've been twiddling their thumbs not playing hockey for a couple of weeks. So it's like. Yeah. So in that case, it's a good thing that the NHL players aren't going over to the Olympics so that they can make up some of the games for the teams that are way back. Yeah. Where then it has a chance to get like if, if they are going to cut it short or whatever, I'd assume that we hear something within the next like three weeks by the all-star break where they go. No matter where you're at right now, whatever the case may be, we're playing to 70 games, 75 games. Once you hit your 75, the season's done. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start the playoffs in order to where we can keep on schedule for next year to keep everything the same. 
because the whole COVID thing, going to the bubble, doing all that stuff two years in a row, really fucked the NHL schedule way up as far as it's almost back on track this year, but we're still a little bit behind because normally you'd be at 42-ish games, 41-ish games around the All-Star break for the second half of the season push. And now you're playing a majority of the season before the All-Star break because they're trying to still catch back up as far as timing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they figure something out. But, yeah, it's just – I don't even know how you – again, how you would make it fair across the board to even implement something at this point. Well, I just look like the Atlantic. You could take the bottom three teams, Sabres, Senators, Canadians. You're done. You could take the bottom th- – basically the bottom four in the Metro jackets, flyers, devils, Islanders. You can basically take the, all of them and say, you're done. Coyotes, Blackhawks, stars still have games to make up. So you can't take them out yet. So those two, and then you have the, you can't even take the Canucks out. So then you can only take the Kraken out of the Pacific so that's just a handful of teams that are playing each other and the games don't really matter. You know, like they can still play each other as far as getting their games in, like to make it 82 or whatever the case may be, but the games won't me- wouldn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And my second question here for you, um, as the Lightning, again, are eyeing a three-peat for the, the Cup, which team out of the East do you see having the best chance to stop them from getting there? I'm going to go in-state rival or the Boston Bruins. I think the Florida Panthers or the Boston Bruins are the two teams that can literally stop them in their tracks. They have the speed. They have the physicality of these other teams at this point don't. Like we're starting to see some of these teams drop off a little bit as far as keeping pace with these top teams in the league. Um, both Florida teams keep surging. Boston, they're catching up their games. They're still surging. Um, yeah. Look at Colorado too. I mean, I know you're talking about in the East, but that's them in Tampa look like they could be meeting on a collision course. Um, one of the Florida teams for the Stanley cup here. And then Boston as well. Main reason they just got two grass back their goalie have a long ass time. David Krejci, they're going to be bringing him back potentially at some point, like they're loading up their guys on their team, pulling a Tampa move guys off the cap. Now, I don't know. I feel like this is going to be turning into a th- like it's just insane. The top of the Atlantic is just so good. Yeah, I mean, Florida. I mean, t- tied for points right now with two games in, in hand, so they have a chance to kind of create some space in the East. But again, s- sticking to my guns as far as my my prediction for for a Stanley Cup final, Colorado, Carolina. Carolina has five games in pocket and only sit five points back. So they still, they still have a ways to make up their goaltending again, top, top five in the league, Anderson having a great year, 
allowing just over two goals a game, almost a 93% save percentage. And then, yeah, Colorado in the, in the West just quickly in the games that they're making up, just jump to the top, the top of that conference. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Florida, I'm going to say Florida or Carolina are the two teams that are going to give Tampa a run for their money. I think it's going to be Florida just because they can, they can score at a clip that Tampa scores. Yeah. Where Carolina is a more slower structured type of game. They're not bang, 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 bang. They don't have that capability. They're more of a, we're going to dump it in the corner. We're going to slow you down. We're going to control what you're going to be able to do in a team that has that much firepower between four lines. They're just going to fucking down you and Panthers. They've outscored their opponents. 21 to five in their last three games. (laughs) Five to two, seven to one, and nine to two. They've been finding the net, and I don't see them slowing down. That's why I, I think that's the only that is the team. I feel like we we can get a rematch of last year's playoffs, where those two teams battle it out. Going to go seven games again. Whoever wins that is going to be coming out of the East. I feel like those would be fun games to watch too. Seven to six, eight to like those could be a high scoring games back and forth. Last year they were, I believe. I think some of them were five to four, six to five. And then I feel like Tampa blew them out one game. I feel like Florida blew them out one game. And then I feel like it was just really close. Yeah. I don't exactly remember. And then my last question for you here. Montreal Canadiens, um, Wisconsin, Cole Caulfield, obviously player there. Having a slow start to the year, their whole team kind of not really doing well. Um, Do you think that they can turn their season around at all, or do you think they're definitely on pace for the number one draft pick? Because after say, today's after today's game, we'll decide who's the worst team in the NHL. Yeah. Because they play each other. Yeah. I mean, it's between Montreal and Arizona. As bad as the Senators were for a, a while, they're five points ahead with five games in pocket, so they they can get some separation um, on Montreal and Arizona. So. Yeah, I mean, even with, with the with the vacancy at, at the at the higher ups for Montreal, that just seem, that's just another an, another question mark to add to the mix of midseason trying to sort that out. Even where kind of takes your focus off the ice and what are we going to do? What does the future of our team look like? Um, yeah, I mean, I think Montreal again, crazy to say. If it's ever been done, the team that makes a Stanley Cup final becomes the worst team the following year. <laughs> I think that they can pull it off. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think that they I think they finished last. And I think they get Shane Wright. Yeah, I mean, again, a young group of guys to where if they can get clicking, they could build a dynasty quickly just 
with the couple pieces that they'd be missing. Again, Carey Price still still know what's going on with him. Um, they're I know they're hoping to get him back, but there's been really no talk as to a return for him yet. Um, I don't think he him alone coming back is going to be enough to get them to where they want to be. But it's a good start. And like you said, going out and getting the first first uh, overall pick. Always good at, 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 I mean, the best player coming into the draft onto your team. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be between Montreal and Arizona. And like you said tonight, we'll kind of get an idea as to who's actually the worst team. Yeah, their game just kicked off. Sounds good then. Uh, going over into the other category. Um with the Winter Olympics just a few weeks weeks away here, um, in all the Olympics, both winter and summer, who would you say is the most dominant U.S. Olympic athlete of all time? Mm. You said between winter and summer? Yeah, winter or summer. Just kind of Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps. Hands down. Yeah, that's who I'm I mean, just just with the dominance and how many the narrative that was pushed out, how many years of this is the next up and coming guy from either the US, like Ryan Lochte when he kind of made some noise, or some from some other countries, some other people who made a really big push in some of the Olympics. He put them all to bed and was like, no, I'm still going to go out and win gold. Just the longevity of his Olympic career is just amazing um, to do what he did. Um, I mean, another guy, too, to kind of throw into the mix. Obviously, he doesn't have the medals because he doesn't have the smorgasbord of events to compete in like Michael Phelps did. Sean White making one more run at an Olympic, uh, Olympic gold this year uh, in the snowboarding category. Again, every year that he's been there, dominant uh, and always on the podium and just a blast to watch growing up as a kid till now. It's crazy to see, again, the longevity of him in a sport that is, you're starting to see a lot of 14, 16, 17-year-old kids dominating skiing and snowboarding. He's in his 30s, and he's still one of the best, so – He's another guy, again, not as decorated as Michael Phelps, but just dominance in his event of what he's been able to do. Yeah, I would also put our whole entire women's gymnastics team on that same platform for their dominance. Yeah. And maybe even April Ross for what she's done. Yeah. Like the longevity of her career to be able to, you know. But yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot, but definitely Phelps sits number one. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. And then my last question after Colin Morikawa, or excuse me, Matsuyama, Hideki Matsuyama wins two tournaments in a row here. Do you think he wins another tournament in the next three events? What does your schedule even look like coming up here? Well, there's the um, waste management coming up in a couple of weeks down in 
Arizona. The American Express is next. That is this weekend. Then it's the Farmer Insurance Open the following weekend. AT&T, Pebble Beach Program, which obviously I don't think he's going to do. And then, yeah, yeah, the Phoenix Open. So those would be the next three. American Express, Farmers Insurance, or Phoenix Open. Well, there's Pebble Beach in there, too. Oh, it's a Pro-Am tournament. Never mind. Mm-hmm. None of these, because it's showing defending champion. And I'm just trying to remember kind of these courses. I feel like he kind of starts – I'm honestly surprised he's done as well to start the year – this early i mean all these guys are great like they can any of them can win any weekend any given time but matsuyama kind of made a name for himself later in the season last year again winning the masters um i'll i think i think we see rom rom or kapka kind of get finally throw their name into the hat this season Neither of them have got a, a tour win yet. I think it's both one of them are gonna are gonna step up in the next couple of years. If not one be a, a a repeat a repeat winner. Yeah, I don't know. It just like I said, it seems like Matsuyama just turns it on late, got his win out of the win or went out of the way early this year. Heck of a comeback too, again down. Was it five or six shots at the turn on the final, on the final round on Sunday, and he got got to a playoff to take out, um, who was it? He ain't golfing this weekend. Matsuyama. Oh. Yeah, then definitely not. Neither's Kepka. Weird. Why? What they just didn't. didn't they don't want to. They don't want to, yeah. Yeah, I guess they don't have to. No, Phil Mickelson is the biggest name I see in this. I've never heard of Pete. Patrick Canley. I guess Patrick Canley, Cameron Champ, they're, they're in it. Ricky Fowler, Tony Finau. I've never heard of this course either. Pete Dye Stadium course. La Quinta, California. I've never heard it's of this a, course. It's private. It's a private course. Oh. Yeah, I mean, is Morikawa in it? Is nope. his name in there? Nope. So it's kind of a smaller tournament this weekend. Neither is DeChambeau. Do we see it's a, it's a normal it's a it's a normal tournament. Well yeah, I guess it's a, it's a tour. Yeah, it's a tour tournament. Yeah. I wonder if some of those guys are kind of ramping up for the Phoenix Open in Scotts or uh, TPC Scottsdale in a couple of weeks. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Um, it's crazy that the season's already back. Like, it feels like it just ended. But also, the season never really ends. It never stops. It never bad. stops. Yeah, it should be a good season. Again, seeing some names on here that 
don't really see a, a, a lot like Taylor Taylor Gooch. That's a name. Victor. Yeah, he's in he's second in the world right now. Or Victor. just kidding, second in this FedEx Cup. He's played Bob, every Cameron Smith, some of these names that that, that Gooch kid, he's played at every single event so far. Eight. There's been eight events already. He's played every one. The tour average is five. Jeez. Machiyama's played sixth. He's got 1,153 points. The next, the next close, obviously, Gooch is behind him with 930, but he's got two more events played. Yeah, there's 500 points up for grabs in every tournament. So to have 1,100 already... It's pretty good. He's got three top tens out of his six starts and two wins. Gooch also three top tens out of eight events. Maybe he's a, na- a name we kind of see in the end of the, at the end of the season. I know we were kind of talking. I was leaning towards Morikawa as far as being a tour champion this year, and you were kind of you're talking Brooks, right? That was who you were kind of rolling with. Yep. I mean. It's cool to see some of these other guys. I mean, Morikawa, again, younger guy, like, making a name for himself. But Matsuyama put his name on the map with that Masters win. And since then, nobody's really talked about him until now. Again, having a good start to the year. Yeah, this guy turned pro in 2014, Taylor Gooch. He's 30 years old. Golfed at Oklahoma State. He's played 106 total events, made 70 cuts made just under eight mil <laughs> so far this year he's second in the rankings three top 10 finishes he's made 2.5 this year already so far of his career earnings Unreal. so up until this year has been doing the best because <laughs> 2014 dude that's what that's eight years of golfing yeah. and making four million over eight years Plus, you got to pay for all your travel and all your whatever, dude. Like, you're not making a lot. But if you're already up to 2.5, you made a third of your career earnings through eight matches already this year. (laughs) Good year for Gooch. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I got for today. Yeah, that's the same. That's all I got as well. Well, thanks, everyone, um, for stopping in. We always appreciate the love and support. Don't forget to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts as well. We appreciate all the support on those platforms as well as we do here on YouTube. Um, Hope everybody gets a chance to watch the game tonight. Listen to our little predictions of what we forecasted for next weekend's games. And we will see you back here on Wednesday.